0: The Holy, the Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know if it's um, inside baseball or not. I don't know if you're interested in how we decide, people like me, what we're going to preach on any given week. But if you had talked to me last Sunday, and I was sort of reviewing the uh, passages, the readings, the appointed readings for this week, I would have been positive I was going to be preaching on the gospel uh, reading that we heard Twyla read. Um, And it's a great reading. It's about, uh, you know, who Jesus is, where his authority comes from. It sets up the whole gospel of Mark. And for Mark, that's a question that he comes back to again and again, and it's a question that's appropriate for us to ask 2,000 years later, so I was quite sure that I would be up here talking about that, maybe another time. Um, Turns out, though, I I read the other passages, of course, for the, the week, and I did a little bit of a deep dive on Psalm 111, which I'm not sure I've ever in my entire ministry done. Um, And one of the wonderful things about my work truly is that every week, every day, I get to learn new things. And um, I wanna talk today, instead of Mark 1, I wanna talk about that Psalm and lift up a a few points that are helpful in understanding it that sort of get beneath it a bit. I'm gonna be talking about, in some ways, what we don't see in the Psalm because it has been translated. And I'm also going to be talking about some ways that it's connected to both letters and numbers. Uh, What I want to be very clear on the outset, though, is that uh, it's going to sound in some ways maybe like I'm breaking the code of Psalm 111. And that's not inappropriate in this particular chapter of the Bible. But generally, I want to be very clear, the Bible does not work that way. The Bible is not some code to be cracked. It's not some secret Uh, to be broken, Uh, it's got all kinds of different kinds of of literature, and we read it in different ways depending on that literature. So I just want to have that preliminary caution. So I'm going to have you actually pull your hymnals out. This will be a little bit of a Bible study on Psalm um, 111, but I want you to pull your hymnals out initially, and I want you to turn not to Psalm 111, but to Psalm 119, first of all, to set up sort of broadly what I'm going to be talking about. Um, And and by the way, I can't point you to a page number. It's just you got to find the section on Psalms. It's a little before the middle of the hymnal. And again, Psalm 119. Why am I having you turn to Psalm 119? Because Psalm 111 is a particular form of poetry called an acrostic. Um, An acrostic is a poem, uh, either whose every verse or every chapter or every few lines begins with the next letter of the alphabet. Psalm 119 is the most famous example of this type of poetry in the Bible. There are a handful of others, not a lot. There are a few psalms and a couple of other passages in the Old Testament. But Psalm 119 is both the longest psalm and it's the best example of this. And I'm having you turn to it in the hymnal because in the hymnal, and those of you at home, I don't know if you have a Bible, Uh, If you do, you may see something similar, different translations may or may not include this, but in our hymnal at Psalm 119, you'll see that every eight verses begin with a Hebrew letter. You see that? So before verse 1 is Aleph. Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Verse uh, 9, Beit, precedes that. Uh, and so, so on it goes throughout the whole psalm. Every eight verses is preceded by the, letter, the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is what the first word begins with. And by the way, fun fact, uh, Hebrew, this is Hebrew, of course, and Greek are not the same, but they're related in some ways. Uh, aleph and Beit, as you see here, are the first two letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Alpha and Beta are the first two letters of the Greek alphabet, which gives us the word alphabet. Isn't that fun? I love that kind of stuff. You can use that at your next cocktail party to impress people. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) Perhaps they will walk away from you. So anyway, I want you to see that pattern. And then if you turn to Psalm 111, you can look at it either in your hymnal or I'm going to pull out my Bible here. The same pattern is true, only in Psalm 111, rather than every eight verses, it's every half verse that is the next uh, letter of the alphabet. And again, part of my point here is we do not see this in the English translation. And so I just wanna sort of lift up some structural things about this Psalm which are invisible to us precisely because it's in English and not in Hebrew. So the way the Psalm works, Psalm 111 here, uh, it begins with verse one, praise the Lord. Hallelujah in Hebrew. And that's sort of the header for the Psalm. After that, praise the Lord. Every half verse is then the next letter of the alphabet. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 through 8. Then verse 9 um, has three subsections. Verse 10 also has three. If you add all of those up, you get 22 Uh, half verses and, of course, 22 is the the number of letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So again, I want to lift up some structural or constructive things about this psalm, beginning with, why the heck would the psalmist use this format to write this psalm? And over the centuries, rabbis have suggested, probably more than this, but at least three ideas about it. The first, which is maybe intuitive, is it's an aid to memorization. If you want to remember what's written in this psalm and if you first remember, oh yeah, it just follows the alphabet, that will help you remember the words of the psalm. I was reminded of this lesson very powerfully uh, back in October. Uh, I think some of you know that our youngest son, Andrew, is a first-year student at West Point. Uh, Amy, my wife, and our two older sons went to visit him on family day. Sam, our second son, had already been out there once, which meant that Sam had a pass, Uh, to the the post West Point is a army post it's an active post so you need uh, to get on with a a pass Amy and I have passes our oldest son Luke had not yet gotten his pass and we thought well it's a busy weekend they'll probably just let him through Uh, and so we had Andrew in the car thankfully we had gone out to dinner and we're driving through and we get to the gate and there's a military police officer who is looking at all the passes and of course for Luke, we hand him Luke's ID. And he says, well, what about this guy? We said, well, we haven't had a chance to get it yet. And so he says, all right, I'll let you in if your cadet here, our youngest son who was in his uniform, so he knew he's a cadet. If your youngest son can give me the seven values of the army. I'm sitting here next to this guy thinking, Andrew, I hope you did your homework. Because <laughs> he has a gun. <laughs> so I hear Andrew, the gears in Andrew's head sort of, I, there's a pause, he's in the back of the car, and then he rattles him off. Loyalty, duty, selfless service. No, loyalty, duty, uh, respect, selfless service, Honor, integrity, and personal courage. You know how I know those? Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know those because they're not an acrostic, but they're an acronym. Each of those words begins with letters that spell the word leadership. Without some... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without some, some of the vowels are taken out, but it's L-D-R-S-H-I-P. So that makes sense, right, that an acrostic poem would help us with memorization, right? The other two reasons the rabbis say that it's written this way, and I love these as well, uh, one of them is, well, uh, the the, the alphabet moves how? Step by step, from letter to letter. In the same way, so it reinforces for us that life also moves step by step. And the life of faith, indeed, moves step by step by step, by step. So the structure of the psalm itself reinforces that important point. And the third reason the rabbis say it's written in this acrostic form is that it it reminds us that God, in all of God's infinite goodness, is comprehensive, contains all things, from what? A to Z in English. Um, So then a couple of other structural things Uh, that I discovered this week. I did a seriously, I went down the rabbit hole on this thing. Um, It turns out that the Hebrew alphabet, again, 22 letters, right? Each of those letters also has a numerical value, okay? There will not be a quiz on this. You do not have to remember this. Uh, And they go like this. The first nine letters are the numbers one through nine. The next nine, so you have a group of nine. The next nine letters are 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. So another group of nine. And then a final four um, set, the, the final four in the, in the alphabet are 100, 200, 300, and 400. So that's interesting on its own, but the more salient p- purpose, I think, for our, our sake this morning is that those groupings then, depending on the context, will mean either different stages or ages of time. The first nine, the next nine, the last four can either mean past, present, and future, or they can mean, in our own lives, our youth, our age of maturity, or old age. And in either of those cases, past, present, future, youth, middle, middle age, or age of maturity, and old age, the point of the psalmist is God should be at the center, okay? And it's interesting. This is, I'm, I'm moving towards the conclusion of my points here, but it's interesting. The psalm itself, I mentioned it's every half verse is a, a new letter, but it's actually structured, if you look at it, in that same structure of 9, 9, and 4, thematically. The first nine half verses, so that takes you through 5a, are all about God's greatness. The second nine half verses, so that's 5b through the second Part of verse 9 is all about God's covenant and faithfulness to God's covenant. The last four are all about how God deserves our is worthy of our praise and our awe. Um, And at the heart of it all is numerically again, is verse 5b, the second half of five. Which says in our translation, God is ever mindful of his covenant. Or in other translations, he remembers his covenant forever. So if you want to distill this whole psalm down, it's a reminder of God's faithfulness. God will never desert you. God will always be with you. And that might prompt you to say, okay, what do I do then? And I'm glad you asked. Because it turns out, part of the answer to that, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, I'm just gonna tease it, is the very next psalm, Psalm 112. You remember I said there are a handful of these psalms that are in this acrostic form? 112 is one of them. And it parallels Psalm 111 almost perfectly, except if Psalm 111 is all about God's greatness, God's faithfulness. Psalm 112 is all about how then does the faithful person respond to that. And you can see the connection verse 10 of Psalm 111. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear, by the way, may be better translated awe or deserving our reverent awe. And then you look at Psalm 112. Again, after an opening, hallelujah, praise the Lord. It says, what? Happy are those who fear the Lord. So it connects it right away. And I'm going to suggest that this week, um, it's not a bad idea in your devotional life to reflect on, yes, God's greatness In Psalm 111 and how God is faithful to you but then maybe to spend a little time with Psalm 112 and reflect on the question what does that mean for me how might I respond and while you're doing that or to prepare you to do that let me offer this prayer good and loving God we thank you for the gift of your Bible and of the Psalms especially which Share with us the broad range, the exhaustive, comprehensive range, not only of your greatness, but of our emotional feelings and states. We pray you will remind us today of how good you are to us and help us to respond to that goodness by reaching out to a world in need. And all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.